The advice and opinions expressed by the host of Autism Live and her guests are meant solely as suggestion and should not be in any way construed as child-specific advice. Any choices you make in determining your child's treatment are completely at your own discretion. Good morning and welcome to Autism Live. I'm Shannon Penrod. I haven't mentioned this in a, in a minute, but I love watching our, our opener, which was created entirely by individuals on the autism spectrum. The music, the animation, um, the whole thing, uh, the artwork, all done by folks on the spectrum who got paid. Love that too. Love, 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 love that. Uh, so anyway, welcome to Autism Live and happy last day of January in 2024. Oh my gosh, it's going so fast, right? Um, but it already feels like February to me. Anyone else? Raise your hand if so. We are live right now on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter, and many other sites. And our wonderful Chris Desmond is going to show you some of those on the screen right now. And I'm going to tell you that the show is, is streaming live right now on those sites. And you can be interacting with me and with our guest that we're going to bring in in just a couple of minutes and that we love that. I think that's one of our favorite things of doing the show when you guys are writing in and asking comments and we get the chance to talk with you. So please feel free to write in questions. It can be related to what we're talking about. It can be unrelated to what we're talking about. That's never a problem. So feel free to write in. And also know that the show then will be available if you're, many of you don't watch us live. We get that. We totally appreciate that. Uh, you can watch us on YouTube. We have a very robust YouTube channel. We're in our 14th year of doing this show, so there is a library of videos. You can go back and see what my hair looked like 14 years ago when it was dark, uh, before it went gray. <laughs> you could see all kinds of things. Dr. Grampichet looks exactly the same because apparently she has a painting aging underneath her bed somewhere. Uh, but you can watch me age across the last 14 years and watch her not. So there we have it. Uh, you can watch my child age because, as you know, as I like to say here, I'm a proud pony. That means a parent of a neurodiverse individual. So we hope that you'll check out the, the diversity of videos that are available for you on all different kinds of topics. You can search the topics on our YouTube channel. But we also are available as a podcast. Wherever you download your podcast for free, you can find us there. It is free to you, and that's a very important thing to me. I can't tell you the number of times that we've had consultants come in and say, you should put a monthly charge. And, and I've gone, mm -mm, we're not doing that until we, unless we ever absolutely have to. So let's knock on wood and hope that we never have to. And part of the reason why we have not had to is because you will see advertising in the program if you're listening or watching on any of the platforms we're on. And we really appreciate, I'm gonna sneeze. <coughs> Excuse me, sorry. Um, don't know where that came from. But um, we have advertisers and we appreciate them because we couldn't do this without them. And, um, and we're looking always for more advertisers. If you know somebody who wants to advertise on our program, we love having the lights work. Uh, so we hope you'll embrace them and tell other people if they want to advertise that they can as well. But I know that some of you have said, you know, I love to take you in podcast audio and listen when I'm walking or running and, 
and, and some of you are like, I'd rather really not have the ads. And so we listen whenever we possibly can and found a platform that we could do that as inexpensively as possible. So if you would be willing to pay $5 a month, you can subscribe on Glow, G-L-O-W dot F-M, F as in Frank, M as in Mary, slash Autism Live. And when you subscribe there, it's $5 a month, or you can get it even cheaper if you do it by the year. And you get not only Autism Live, but you get Ask Dr. Doreen ad-free. And every time we do an episode, it will be in your inbox. So that is available to you if you prefer an ad-free. Otherwise, I hope you enjoy the ads and enjoy the free programming because you know if you watch the show, everything we do with the Autism Network is about providing information and inspiration. And I don't want to limit that to people who have expendable income. Just saying, just saying. Um, I know when my son was first diagnosed and in those first years, I did not have $5 a month to pay for a podcast. I just didn't. And so if you don't, please don't feel squirmy about that. We're embracing you, putting our arms around you and saying it's okay. And we have information for you that's at no cost. Obviously, you have to have the internet, but that's the only um, deterrent uh, that we want to be in your way from getting information. I don't know about you, but I, I remember one day in particular when my son was probably mm, four or five months after diagnosis and I had signed up for all these things and I was on these mailing lists and somebody sent me uh, a thing saying, oh, come to this one day conference and this uh, expert will be there and uh, we only want you to pay, I don't know, $195 to come and lunch will be provided, um, and, but no childcare. And, and, and when you get there, you'll have the opportunity to buy this doctor's book. And I really wanted to hear from that doctor. I really, really, really wanted to. I didn't have the $195 to go to the conference. Um, I didn't even have the $30 to buy the book. Let's be frank here, right? And I was so frustrated because I thought even if I did have the $195, even if I did have the $30, where would my child be? I didn't have anybody to watch my child. I couldn't afford daycare. I couldn't find daycare that would be trained to know how to help him. It just seemed insurmountable to me. And I remember saying that I wish somebody had a place where at three o'clock in the morning I could get information that I need. So that's part of what started all this. And Dr. Grampiche had, and I had a conversation about that. And that's, that's what started what you see before you. Uh, so we hope that you'll use it and whatever way works for you, quite honestly. Okay. Um, and, and by the way, you know, look, at the, look for the podcast wherever you can. But if you want to do something else to help us so that we don't have to, um, you know, work as hard to get sponsors, that uh, is very easy for you to help us. Like, share, comment, and review. Those are the things that you can do that help us to stay relevant and alive. You know, there's so much information on the internet. Yes, like, share, subscribe, do all those things. That helps us because then sponsors see, oh, you guys are watching here, and then they want to put a 30-second ad. So that's all. That's all. But meanwhile, back at the ranch, we also like it when you write in and tell us what you'd like us to talk about and which guests that you'd like to have. I had somebody send me a video a couple of weeks ago of this great young man and I went, oh, we have to have him on the show and that is why he is going to be on the show today. We're going to, in just a little while, we're going to be joined by Joshua Pitney who is a 
emerging filmmaker that I think you guys are going to want to hear from. Self-advocate, and uh, we'll be talking with him about his life, what he's doing, and why film is one of his areas of interest and study. So we'll do that in just a minute. But first, it is time for jargon of the day. This is when we take on one word, one phrase, one acronym. We try to figure out what in the hey, nani, nani, are those experts talking about? What does this have to do with us? What does this have to do with those of us that have a loved one that's on the spectrum that we want to help and support? Um, and if you are the person on the spectrum, what does this have to do with me and why should I know about this? Because I think we're all in that space where don't waste my time. Tell me what I need to know so that I get the support for myself or for the person that I love on the spectrum, right? So uh, today's jargon term is sensory diet. And I love that this was set a couple of weeks ago, but Dr. Grand Pichet talked about sensory diet on the show yesterday just by chance. Uh, so let's take a look. First, we give you the actual definition. Often I make fun of it because it's filled with more jargon terms. And then we give you a working definition and try to give you an example that might make sense in your life and might be something that you go, hey, I could use that. That would help me. So sensory diet, the actual definition is a treatment that can help individuals with sensory processing issues. Well, that cleared it up. Uh, often this includes a series of physical activities created by an occupational therapist and tailored to the individual's sensory needs. Thank you. I have no idea what this looks like. Uh, I love the idea of it helping with sensory processing issues, but if I don't know what a sensory processing issue is, then, you know, how is that going to help me? How is this definition going to help me? And you say a series of physical activities, but that's so broadly based, I don't really know. I love that it says this could be created by an occupational therapist and that it's individually specific. I'm gonna hang on to that part of the definition and then let's go on to our working definition and see if we can make some sense out of this thing. Uh, oh, and I left the idiosyncratic, this is my fault, you guys, that it says idiosyncratic language there. It's supposed to be, it's supposed to say sensory diet. It says a steady or regular input of touch, pressure, or movement that helps a person to self-regulate or focus. Okay, back that up a second. A steady or regular input of sensory things like touch, pressure, or movement that helps a person to self-regulate or focus. So everybody has different sensory needs. And I, when I used to be a teacher before I knew about autism and ABA, I would always picture, especially when I was working with younger kids, but really everyone, we're all like buckets. And, you know, we all hold a little bit different amount of things in our bucket and our buckets work better. If, like some kids need a lot of attention. You know what I'm saying, right? And the truth is, is that, you know, you can put four kids in a row with desks, right? And one of them needs a whole bunch of attention. Everybody needs some attention, right? But different amounts. One kid needs a whole bunch of attention. Another kid on the end doesn't need a whole lot of attention. And maybe it makes them a little squeamy if they get too much attention. It's not one size fits all. Some kids need pressure. They need to be touched or to touch themselves because they're having a hard time being in a space. They feel floaty right? Um, I, I can relate to this a little bit because when I'm in a high ceiling room, 
Sometimes I'm like, ah, I feel like I'm going to float towards the ceiling. I don't know. It's just this weird sensory thing. And other people are incredibly grounded where they go, what? You feel floaty when you're in a room that the ceiling is high? What are you talking about? I don't know what you're, I don't know what you're bringing up. Um, but maybe there's somebody who is a little itchy and they need to scratch from time to time, right? Or uh, maybe they are somebody that gets sleepy if they sit too long and they have to walk a little bit. So a sensory diet first looks at the individual and says, what do you need? What do you need? What helps you to be able to focus? What helps you to be able to self-regulate and be happy? And the, the right level of calm but not checked out. Like what makes the machine that is you function at the highest level. And what we see is that for some of our kids, that their needs, all kids have sensory needs, right? All kids have sensory sensitivities, things that, you know, they like or they don't like, because that's part of being a person and being an individual. But for some of our kids on the autism spectrum, the need might be a little bit more prevalent, like, you know, kids who need a great deal of pressure. Um, and the sensitivity that like the sound, maybe they really, it's painful for them to hear that sound. So a sensory diet says, just like any diet, right, that we're, we're going to feed you your diet. I'm not talking about like a weight loss diet, right? But you have a diet that you adhere to every day, and it might be that you eat breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Yeah, but there's some people that need to have snacks in between or their blood sugar can't regulate, right? And they find that out about themselves. They're like, I need a little something, something in the afternoon. I got my little almonds. I got my apple, whatever it is. Other people are like, oh, no, 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 no. I just can't snack, right? So the sensory diet looks and says, what do you need in terms of the senses? Do you need a break every now and then where you get to sit and turn a fidget spinner so that you can see colors. We have kids that like to splash and, uh, and splash water. And it's always interesting because maybe until we get enough communication, functional communication, we don't know what they're getting from it. But some of them, it's the tactile feel of it, the slipperiness of the water. Others will tell us, no, I see colors and that helps me. And, and so we can give them these things with uh, the, the sensory need, the sensory input, but we can do it in different ways. So for instance, for the kid that likes the slippery, if they can't get to a sink, they'll spit on their fingers and play with the spit because it gives them the same thing, but we can give them a silky cloth in, in a classroom because we really can't have people playing in a sink and spitting on desks, right? But we can give them a silky, they call them silkies, and we can give that to them and we can have them, you know, hold it in their hands or practice their letters on it and it gives that input. And we can do that on a regular basis so they don't need to be spitting on their hands. And it helps them to stay calm so that we don't get to a meltdown. For, uh, what was the other example? Oh, for the colors, for seeing the colors. We know that some of the fidget spinners, some of them actually light up and others that don't light up but have shiny things on them will actually create colors when you spin them. So we can fulfill the need and give that to them on the, in that sensory diet so that they have that breather. I want you to think to yourself, we're all on a sensory diet. You just may not be aware of it. What do you do for yourself that helps you to regenerate, recharge, uh, refresh, 
Uh, you know, I know a lot of people that play a game on their phone during lunch. Uh, I, right now, I'm really into playing that connections with my son. We get in the car. I pick him up and we go, okay, we're going to play connections um, and, and do it together. And that's a battery recharge for me. And I love it when I'm driving and he says the words to me because that having to picture them in my head is really good for me would not be good for other people. So what's your sensory diet? What could you do for yourself to help yourself? Like, is there a thing where you could put in a, a coffee break for yourself and have that really wonderful herbal tea at three o'clock in the afternoon to help you to just take a breather, take a breath? Um, you know, what would be good for you? But then let's think about the person that we love on the spectrum. Like, what kinds of input help them? And this changes. People change and their needs change, right? So we don't want to set it and forget it like Ron Popeil. That doesn't work. But uh, what do they need right now? When my son was very little, we learned that they ha- it was very popular at the time. OTs had this thing called astronaut training. And basically, there were these plans, and you got these two boards and a turntable, and you put them together, and moms were printing these up, and everybody was sharing them with everybody. And we did, we, I bought the things to put the turntable together, but then we discovered that the office chair worked just as well. But there were these sequence of things for some kids, not everybody, where you would spin them in the office chair, and you would have them sitting up, and then you would have them on their left side and their right side, um, and spin them. And for some of our kids it regulated them and it rearranged some of the wiring in their inner ear and they could talk a little bit more efficiently after they did this. So uh, that became a part of my son's sensory diet. It it only was a short period of time. We're not spinning him (laughs) on a daily basis. So keep in mind that a sensory diet can and will change for all of us. But It's a very, I think, kind and loving and fair thing to do, to give someone the sensory input that allows them to come back and focus. It's the other day, I was working on a PowerPoint and I just got stuck and I said to everybody here in the office, I'm going for a walk because I got to refresh. I got to change, you know, what's going on in my head. And as soon as I went on the walk, I, I was able to answer the question of, okay, which direction does this need to go next? You just got to get your yayas out at some point. So a sensory diet is a very loving, very kind, very fair thing to do. If you're not sure what the person that you love on the spectrum needs in terms of sensory input, please ask the people that are on your case. And if you don't have somebody on your case, let's talk about what we need to do to help you to get aligned with experts, access your insurance so that you don't have to pay for it, yada, 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 right? Don't be alone in this. You don't have to be alone in this. Okay, so it's time for our guest. And I'm very excited to welcome to the show uh, Joshua Pitney. Here, listen to what this young man is already uh, doing. He's a third-year student at Pepperdine University, majoring in screen arts. He reports that he is fascinated by how films can transport viewers to another world that leaves them changed. Boy, Joshua, I'm with you on this. He wants to emulate this sensation with the power of cinema and positively impact audiences. Moreover, he hopes to tell stories about people like himself, 
people on the autism spectrum. Uh, he says, I want to show viewers worldwide that we are remarkable people and can be a force for change. Uh, so we want to welcome Joshua here because you already are a force for change, Joshua. Thank you for joining us. There he is. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, thank you very much for having me. I'm so thrilled that you are here. So Joshua, you and I were able to speak a little bit earlier this morning and I asked you, I usually ask my guests, you know, how do you want to be described in relation to autism? And you had said that your words, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, that you like to refer to yourself as being autistic, correct? Yes. Yes. Wonderful. So I just, uh, uh, those are those are the words that you would like, and so because I always like to make sure we we all have the right to have the words used that we want. So, um, tell us a little bit about you growing up, jo Joshua. What it was, what was it like growing up autistic? Well, growing up as autistic, um, uh, I always knew that uh, I was different from everyone else, and that. Uh, I stemmed with my hands by flapping my hands around like this, and I had a, a challenging time developing uh, social interactions compared to my peers, and I had a heightened interest in my passion. So I always knew I was different from everyone else, but it actually wasn't until my last year of high school that I found out I was autistic. and when i found out i was shocked because my understanding of autism at the time was very limited uh, but as i did more research into what autism is like i gained a better understanding and grew to appreciate myself more and realized that all the traits i exhibited growing up uh, are part of being autistic and helped me to make me the incredible individual I am today. Amen. And I hope to share this message with others. Amen to that. So um, I want to ask you a couple of questions about the things that you just said, but if there's any question that you don't want to answer, please feel free to say that because, you know, I'm going to ask, but you don't have to answer them. You mentioned that you are someone who liked to flap your hands. I think it's we're always interested as parents, uh, especially for those who have younger kids who are hand flapping, do you, and it's different for everybody, so don't assume, uh, you know, for those of you who are watching, if, if Joshua is comfortable giving us an answer, don't assume that that is the answer for your child, because it's not one size fits all. But it's always interesting to hear, Joshua, do you remember why you like to flap your hands? I like to flap my hands even now. I mainly do when I'm super excited about something. Uh, when I'm listening to music I really enjoy, I end up flapping my hands. Or when I'm thinking about an event coming up that I'm really excited for, or sometimes when I just can't sit still, I flap my hands. And uh, sometimes I believe it also can occur when I'm also worried. Uh, I flap my hands sometimes, but it's mainly the excitement part. And um, uh, I just really wish that there would be less of a stigma, a negative stigma around stimming, because it's a way for autistic people to uh, 
be themselves. And I believe that shunning it is a very negative thing to do. I believe society should be more accepting of stimming. I agree with you, absolutely. And I, I think that we all stim and for whatever reason, we've decided that some stims are acceptable and some people are behind the times and don't realize uh, that other things are. So I, I'm glad to hear what it was as a child, but I'm also glad to hear that you feel comfortable to do it still in your adult life as something for yourself. Wonderful. Um, and then I also wanted to ask you about, so before, uh, I don't know if you're comfortable talking about what, what, kind of treatment you had when you were a child, but I'm assuming that you had some help and support, whether it was speech and OT and things like that. What did you think all of that was before you knew that you were on the spectrum? Well, before I found out I was on the spectrum, I honestly assumed it was just part of growing up, and I had no idea it was for autism until I found out I myself was autistic. So I, but during like those years, um, uh, I assumed that it was just a part of growing up and something I just had to do. Okay, and so, because I know a lot of parents, um their kids would be, you know, with a speech person or with an ABA person and the parents would call them coaches or teachers or things like that. Did you, did, what, how was, who were those people to you? Um, uh, I didn't exactly call them teachers. Um, I guess I called them instructors and oh. in that uh, I talked with them on I believe a weekly basis and we did activities together, but we also had fun times together, like playing video games or going to the movies. Oh, that sounds wonderful. Uh, so you don't have unpleasant memories of being a kid. Your, your childhood was your childhood and you were learning and you thought it was part of childhood because it is part of childhood to learn. Yes, though I have to say um, until I found out I was autistic, I felt very isolated from everyone else and that I, uh, I saw myself as not being like everyone else okay. um, for my autistic behaviors, but it wasn't until I found out that I was autistic that I learned to accept and embrace my differences. Was it hard though at first when, when your parent, I assume it was your parents that told you that you were autistic? Um, yeah. What was that like? Can, was was it instantly okay? Now I know who I am, and I and that I'm different, and that it's okay. Or did you have to go through a transition period to find out more about it to make it okay, so that you are where you are now? Um, when I found out, uh, my initial reaction was I was shocked and surprised. I didn't know what to think at the time. Yeah. And so I did more research uh, from uh, on the internet and even looked into autism uh, internet personalities uh, such as Chloe Hayden, who gave me an incredible understanding of what autism is like and how it can people on the spectrum can be a positive force for change in the world. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. And then, you know, so at that point you're in high school, but now you're in college. And being autistic in college is, uh, you know, 
it, it's you're certainly not the first person um, that's autistic to go to college, but it it's very exciting because everyone who's autistic doesn't go to college, and there are some hurdles for some people. So tell us about you being in college. Well, when I first arrived at college, it was a very overwhelming experience because it was the first time I was living away from home for a prolonged period of time and uh, adjusting to the new class schedule, meeting new people. As autistic, um, I like to have a set routine and now the routine was completely changing. So I actually struggled uh, my first week at college, but I found an incredible support group here at Pepperdine with uh, the Office of Accommodations, uh, my friends, professors, and the Counseling Center, who have all helped ease in my transition. And now I've made some of my closest friends here and eventually grew to create the help create the Neurodiversity Student Association. Absolutely. I want to know more about that um, because I. how did it occur to you to do that and how did you get that started and what kinds of things do you, does this organization do on campus? Yes, um, I got the idea for a Neurodiversity Student Association uh, since in my freshman year I was I didn't know many other autistic people other than myself, so I wanted to create a community where all neurodivergent people can come together. And it turns out someone else at Pepperdine had the same idea, so we combined our efforts. And being uh, officialized as a club uh, was a long process, but during my sophomore year, we became officialized and have since gone on to create an incredible community where all neurodivergent uh, people involved can share their stories in a safe space. And we've grown exponentially and have even done a speaker event with the filmmaker and professor Zara Astra. And we plan to participate in Pepperdine's upcoming Disability Awareness Week. Amazing. And... I, I just, I want so many people to hear the kinds of things that you're talking about because it's going to give them so much hope. It, it hasn't been easy though. You said it was a little bit rough in the beginning, but then, you know, you found your way just like everyone does, right? Um, but are there challenges now, now that you've found your way and you've got your community at school, are there challenges that you're still facing that you think have to do with being autistic? Yes, um, uh, I still, it's still a challenge for me to form positive, to form social relationships compared to other people. Um, I just have a, a challenging time uh, talking to new people I've, I've never met, uh, but I've uh, learned how to properly introduce myself uh, to others and uh, I formed many uh, amazing friends here. And also a big part um, of my college experience and uh, being autistic is adjusting uh, to constantly changing schedules and commitments. As autistic, uh, I struggle with uh, adapting uh, to changes uh, in my day-to-day -day routine, but uh, I've learned uh, to become more 
flexible in managing uh, new situations that come my way. So I believe that I have grown uh, because of my college experience. Wow. I got to tell you, Joshua, I think you're killing it because I, I, and I, and I don't want to disavow your experience when people say, oh, I have a hard time doing this, but you look at it and you go, I think you're doing pretty well. You know, it's still your experience of it. But we have a lot of people on the show that, that we have certain things that you have to do. You have to send things in. It can be a little overwhelming to some people. And then, you know, we're on Zoom and I haven't actually met you. And let me tell you, you're doing really well. <laughs> that we have people sometimes that are experts that have been, you know, doing speaking engagements their whole life who find this difficult. So, uh, you know, I, I got to applaud you. You're doing wonderfully. So keep that in mind. I know it feels like it's hard for you, but you're doing great. Uh, now I want to switch gears a little bit and talk about film because film is one of your areas of interest. It's so much so that now you're studying film screen arts at Pepperdine. How did this come about? When did you realize that the powerful tool that is film? Well, it all began during high school when I saw Stanley Kubrick's 2001 A Space Odyssey for the first time. And I was in awe by the level of visual storytelling and practical effects. And after that, I saw more classic films such as The Godfather and Citizen Kane and so on and so forth. And these films really taught me what the power of cinema can truly accomplish. And I decided that I wanted to be a part of this narrative and tell stories in a creative way. And I also am interested in telling stories that uplift people on the spectrum because there have been too many pieces of media that endorse stereotypes about what autism is like. And I hope to create media that defies those stereotypes, uh, such as with my short film, Infinite and The Best Gift. Yes, and I want to talk about those films because you've been uh, on the circuit a little bit and, and have gotten quite a bit of recognition and even been nominated for awards. Uh, where can I see these films, Joshua? Uh, um, they're on my personal website, uh, and I can share the link. Uh, but yeah, okay. almost all of my works are there. Okay, and what was the inspiration for Infinite? The inspiration for Infinite was I wanted to tell a story uh, about uh, stimming uh, that in a way that uh, defied stereotypes and stigmas about stimming. And uh, I wanted to create a film that uh, taught people to accept stimming and taught autistic people that stimming is not something to be ashamed of. Uh, and that's why I created a story about a character who learns to love and accept himself for being autistic, a, a journey that I myself have gone on. And did you do this as part of a, an assignment for a class or was this something you were doing outside of class? I wrote the screenplay for my Screen Arts Production 2 class. And then I decided to actually film it outside of class since I was very passionate 
about the story, and it has since gone on to inspire many people, which I am so happy about. Yes, absolutely. And so you've written the script, um, and then did you function as the director as well on the piece? And did you yes. do, did you do all the casting? Yeah, um, I was a produ I was also a producer on the film along with uh, someone else. And yeah, it was really because of uh, all the incredible casting crew that the project was able to come together and turn out the way it did. Amazing. This is something that's always interesting to me because there are more and more autistic filmmakers making films and there's more and more people coming forward. There were there were people were always there and more and more people are coming forward saying, you know, I'm on the spectrum, I just got a diagnosis. But there are more and more filmmakers who were already diagnosed on the spectrum coming into the entertainment field and it's always interesting to me. So when you were casting did you only look at, for for characters that are autistic? Do you only look at, at actors who are on the spectrum, or do you look at all actors? How does that work for you, Joshua? Well, for the main character, I wanted to cast someone who was autistic, in order to add the layer of authenticity. In fact, in the casting call, I specifically wrote that uh, the character must be played by an actor on the spectrum. And the actor we got did a phenomenal job in showcasing authentic neurodiverse representation. Wonderful. So that's imp that I, I would assume that's a really important element for you is that authentic representation. Definitely. Yeah. I I I know I hear people all the time arguing on all sides of this, but I think it's important that we listen um, and hear how important it is. Um, to you and other people on the spectrum. Uh, I do want to say, I have everything but your website here. I have your, I have your LinkedIn, I have your portfolio, I have your IMDB, but I don't have your website. What is your website, Joshua? Well, my website is the portfolio. Oh, okay. So that, oh, I missed that. Okay, so you guys, can I, is it okay for, for me to give that out and we'll have it in the notes? Definitely. Okay, so if you want to watch uh, the things that he's doing, go to Joshua Pitney, and it's spelled P-I-T-N-E-Y dot myportfolio.com. Love that. Um, absolutely love that. So you, you became interested in film and you're a third year student and so at this point, you're not quite a senior yet, but are you already starting to think about what happens after you graduate? I haven't thought too much about it yet. I'm trying to live in the moment. Good. But hopefully after I graduate, I hope to keep working in film and maybe pursue an MFA, maybe okay. instead help on film sets. Wonderful. But right now, I'm just focused on the here and now and focusing on what I can do now to make an impact. And one of the things that you've talked about that's a, that I know is important to you is defying stereo, stereotypes. Tell us a little bit more about that, Joshua, and, and what kinds of things have you been seeing that, that you think, okay, I want to do better? Um, well, I saw a film about autism. I won't say the name of it where the character was very much an autistic stereotype, uh, 
being a math nerd and uh, dry speech, which is a not uh, all autistic people exhibit this trait. So I want to create an authentic uh, neurodiverse representation, which is why I want to create films like The Best Gift and Infinite. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I imagine it's frustrating to watch people portraying something that you're living and do it in a way that's not accurate. Um, that would be difficult. Um, okay, I, I'm so excited for you and all the films that you're gonna make and I hope people will go and watch those films. Again, it's joshuapitney.myportfolio.com. We can also follow you on Instagram and I, and I saw that you are on TikTok um, there is a movie that's out right now that's about you. Uh, I assume that you didn't that you uh, weren't you didn't write the script for that, but in a sense, it's a documentary about you. It's about seven minutes long. Tell us about the making of that and how that came to be. Yes, um, uh, an alumni of Pepperdine who now works at a company called Big Heart Toys reached out to me of starting a series about documenting uh, college students' experiences on the autism spectrum. And he decided to interview me, and I got to meet the incredible crew of Big Heart Toys. And the interview was an overwhelmingly positive success, and I got to share more of my story and how my story can uh, positively impact the lives of others. And I'm helping to develop another short documentary with them about autism in college. Amazing. Well, and it's a lovely video. That's how you got on my radar was somebody sent me this video and said, you know, look at this. Isn't this amazing? Uh, and I, where can people go to watch that? They need to go to Big Heart Toys, right? It's on the Big Heart Toys YouTube page. Okay. All right. Um, and it's about seven minutes long, you guys, and it's such a great investment in learning uh, about how you see the world, which is so positive, Joshua. You are, are such a positive person, and um, you're very giving to the community. There are a lot of people that are autistic who don't necessarily want to be out there in the world and talking about their autism because they're busy doing what they want to do. But I think it's very brave and generous of you that you decided, yes, I want to be a part of this and share with people what my world is like. Was it hard being followed around by cameras? Um, it was definitely an adjustment uh, since I had not really gotten that experience before in a documentary setting, but I found it to be an incredibly fun experience. Well, cool. And I think that's only going to help you as a filmmaker that you've been on the other side of it. Um, and it does reference in uh, your films in, in the short film. Uh, we're running out of time, so I want to make sure we, that we leave time for, here you are, you're, you're really doing an amazing things with your life. You're a junior at Pepperdine. You're already making films that are already being nominated for awards, Joshua. Um, what, there are a whole lot of people that are watching that are parents who want to be able to support their kids on the spectrum. What advice do you have for people on the spectrum and for people who are parents of people on the spectrum? 
I would say for parents, uh, I would say know that your child is going to do incredible things and uh, you should uh, respect them and embrace them for who they are. And uh, autistic people should not be changed because they are autistic. Uh, I want to show everyone that we are all beautiful creations of God who can be a positive force for change in the world. And as for autistic people, know that you are, to quote Chloe Hayden, a different, not less. And uh, you may be different, but you can do things in the world that uh, basically no one else can. Uh, and the impact you will make will be unlike any other. Absolutely right. Amen to that. Do you feel like there was ever a time in your childhood or your teen years where somebody was trying to change you? Or were you embraced for who you were? I, it's safe to say that I was mostly accepted and embraced for who I am. And honestly, I thank God for that. Uh, I had an incredible support network. And I wish uh, all autistic people had the same support network as me. So we all learn to love and embrace ourselves for who we are. Absolutely. Was there anything in particular that you did or that your parents did that really helped you? What really helped me was uh, <clears throat> doing more research into what autism is like and uh, learning from others uh, of their experiences being on the spectrum. And it really opened my eyes to what a beautiful gift autism really is. Yeah. I do think it's important for everybody to have role models. And I, I, you're just about the same age that my son is. And I don't know at what point, because you didn't know you got the diagnosis till later. I don't know what, do you know now when you were actually diagnosed? How old were you? I believe I was about two years old. Okay. So you guys got diagnosed around the same time. And, and I rem for, I made a different choice. There is no right choice. It's everybody's family choice, but I made the choice to be talking about autism with my son as soon as he was diagnosed. And, and I had dear friends that made the other choice and didn't tell their son until he was older. They're all good choices. There's no judgment there. But um, one of the things that was around at that time, it was when American Idol was on and James Durbin was on American Idol. And I, you know, I would always point to the television and said, say, there's James. And you and James have a lot in common. You know, James likes to sing, you like to sing. Uh, James uh, is on the spectrum and you're on the spectrum. And James, and it was just one of these many things that he had in common with James Durbin. But you know, years later, my son got the opportunity to meet James Durbin. He's a really cool cat. Uh, by the way, and it was just this really great moment because, like you were saying, it it had really helped him to realize he was okay. That here was James Durbin, and he was cool, and 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 he was already associating that he was like James in that respect, but not in other respects. Um, so I think that role models are really important. Do you do you advocate that parents? look towards role models for their kids? Definitely. I believe like autistic people having like uh, role models for um, uh, having autistic role models can really help them embrace themselves for who they are. 
And did you have more than one role model growing up? Well, Growing up, older, uh, when you were in high school. yeah, um, in high school, I found many role models. <clears throat> Sorry, uh, one of them being Chloe Hayden for her uh, honesty about being autistic and really opening my opening my eyes to how amazing autism really is. And also uh, people like Dan Aykroyd, who is autistic. and has gone on to become a pioneering force in the film industry with the projects such as Saturday Night Live and Ghostbusters. Yes. And he's one of those people that came out about his diagnosis significantly later. I, I don't think that most people knew um, uh, for most of the years that, that he was doing those things, but then he felt very comfortable. I, I'm not 100% sure if he just didn't get the diagnosis till later and that was when he decided to make it public, but, um, but absolutely, I, I wonder... At some point, do you think you'll write something for for specifically for him? Would it be super cool to be in a, uh, to have one of your scripts be done by him, or cast him in That a movie? would be awesome. I mean, fingers crossed. Right. Uh, well, I mean that would be a super fun collaboration, wouldn't it? Is is there anybody else that you're just? Uh, it doesn't have to be somebody who's autistic, but is there anybody that you're just like? Oh, I'd love to work with them. Well, there are many people in the entertainment industry I'd love to work with. The uh, The big names like Martin Scorsese, Steven Spielberg, who make incredibly moving uh, stories that impact audiences all over the world in a positive way. Absolutely. Well, we've, we've got a couple of minutes left. I, since we're, we're getting close to the Oscars now, I'm asking everybody like what their favorite movie this year is. Doesn't have to be a best picture nominee, but what was your favorite movie this year? My favorite movie this year... It's hard to say. I, For me, it's got to be Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. I was just in awe by the how funny it was, how dramatic it was, the music, the animation, the voice acting. It was all just phenomenal. And is that a kind of movie, that kind of blockbuster, big kind of movie that you'd eventually like to make? Or are you, do you like to make more character-driven, quieter movies? For me, I like to make more character-driven movies that have a character go on an arc that uh, really changes them. Yes. Well... I, I, and all of that's fine because you can enjoy watching the blockbusters but want to make the quieter movies, of course. Um, I'm, I'm so excited for you on your journey, Joshua, to see what you do next. Uh, and we can't wait to see all the films that you're going to make. I know that you're a very busy college student and I appreciate you taking the time out of your schedule today to be with us and to share all this information. We want to make sure that people know that if you want to see Joshua's films, you can go to joshuapitney.myportfolio.com. That's wonderful. And you are already on IMDb. You're a junior in college and you're already on IMDb. Uh, my goodness, Joshua, uh, you're doing a great, great job. Um, Again, we can't wait to see what you do 
as as you continue on as a writer. And uh, you know what? I didn't see until just now. It says that you also do acting as well. Is that something that you're thinking about doing more of? Yes. Uh, I've always enjoyed the art of acting. I even did a high school theater and got to do amazing shows with the high school, such as Wizard of Oz, Susical, Bye Bye Birdie, 12 Angry Jurors, so on and so forth. And even now at Pepperdine, I'm helping to lead the musical theater club and I'm taking an acting for the camera course. Amazing. Amazing. Well, I can't wait to see what happens. Do you ever participate in the Easter Seals film challenge that they do every spring? Are you ever a part of that? I would love to be a part of it. I just uh, do not have the time given my college schedule. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, maybe when you graduate, after you graduate, you'll have time. Because I don't, I don't know if you're familiar with the challenge that they have five days yeah. to make a film. I, it's crazy, crazy, crazy. And it's usually right around a time when, when college students are really busy. But maybe after you graduate, you'll get to participate in that. We'll look forward to that. Yes, fingers crossed. All right, Joshua, thank you so much for being with us. I hope you have a great rest of your day. Thank you so much uh, for this time. Uh, have a blessed day. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. What a sweet and talented and well-spoken young man. Absolutely famous. Uh, going to be famous and, and getting famous, but fabulous is what I was trying to say. Uh, but if you want to see Joshua's films, as we should all, go to joshuapitney.myportfolio.com. Truly wonderful. I couldn't help but think about uh, Temple Grandin. One of the things that she's said for years is every one of our kids needs to have a portfolio um, and that it's important to have a portfolio and that she was recommending things like this, myportfolio.com, where you know you can just be somewhere and, have, and click it and show somebody. Uh, so fabulous that he already has that. As a mom, I'm paying attention and learning. I want to talk a little bit about next week and some of the things that are going on. Uh, usually I tell you all about Monday. I can't remember who's on Monday. But I know that on Wednesday we are going to be doing, we've, we've only got one show of the Let's Talk Movies before our Oscar special. Uh, so that is going to be happening on Wednesday Live. Uh, it is when we are going to be taking on some of the bigger movies from the year that uh, things like we're finally gonna, you're going to get to hear my thoughts on the color purple, which I just, oh, I'm so devastated that it's not a best picture nominee. I don't understand. And, and I have said, you know, I, I, I care less about the Oscars now because I just, I don't, I don't get it uh, at all. But I love the color purple. We're going to talk about that. We'll see what Moira has to say about it. Um, and we're going to talk about poor things, which I do not love and which I want to ha p t on poor things. Uh, but we'll talk about that, plus many more films that I have very distinct opinions about and that Moira will have fun opinions about too. So if you've been waiting for that, because I know I've mentioned those two films, but several other ones too. There are some amazing films that are out this year, and some of them are films that I just don't feel like are getting the attention that they deserve. Um, and so we'll give you brief reviews and, and you'll hear from two different people 
who have different points of view, although sometimes we agree. Sometimes we agree and sometimes we don't. I actually think it's more fun when we don't agree, but you know. Uh, it's also nice when we do agree. So that will be on Wednesday. We've got a bunch of programming. I, I will be honest with you that right now we're gearing up towards April because we really want to blow your socks off in April. We did this thing last year, which we're not doing again. <laughs> Make no mistake. I, you know, there was a, I, you know how you say mental note, Shannon, don't do this again. Uh, mental note, don't stay on the, on the air for 44 hours ever again because I'm too old and I'm too tired. Uh, I just am. I just am. That's what it is. But um, we've talked about what our favorite thing was about the podcast-a-thon that we did. And it was that we brought together in one 44-hour period, we brought together such a group of experts and self-advocates I don't think anybody's ever done anything quite like that before. And, you know, we're always looking to outdo ourselves. So we are lining up um, and doing interviews, some of them pre-taped, so that in April, like, I just can't even believe if we're able to pull off what we're talking about pulling off, it will be better than the podcast-a-thon. We'll be able to give you the calendar at the beginning of the year so you don't miss anything. Because so many of you said, Shannon, you had these amazing people on during the podcast-a-thon, but I had to sleep. I couldn't stay up. I couldn't watch it all. And it was, you know, we had issues with getting you all the videos immediately afterwards. We're not doing it that way this time. We, we learned. We learned from our mistakes. So we're in the, the tunnel right now filming with people. And I just, I'm always amazed by the goodwill of people saying, yes, I'd like to be on. I'd like to get that information out and giving us their time and so freely. So... I mean, you guys, it's already uh, cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs, some of the people who have said, yes, I, I want to participate in that. So you'll get more information about that as it comes. Uh, and I can't remember who Monday is, but we'll give you that information and you'll be able to see. We, we are really trying to be live now Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and bring you good programming as we ramp up to August. And don't forget, Dr. Grampiche will be here next week so you can be writing those questions in too. I just want to take a moment to say how much I appreciate all of you. This uh, journey that we have been on has had lots of twists and turns and we're constantly reevaluating and seeing how can we be of more service to you. Um, one of the things that Chris Desmond, who I, you know, at least five times a day, I say thank God for Chris Desmond. One of the things that we keep talking about this year that I think is core is that we want to be telling you good stories. We want to be helping you to find your path through telling of good stories. So you're going to see some really fun stuff coming from us this year, and we're really excited about it. So don't go anywhere. You know, uh, stay and be a part of and like and subscribe and share and tell other people and give us your thoughts. Tell us what stories you have not seen in the, you know, the 13 plus years that we've been doing this that you would really like to see. We really enjoy hearing from you guys. Um, we're just going to keep on keeping on. You know what I'm saying? So uh, I'm, I'm signing off now. We're going to be back on Monday. Until then, give your kiddos a hug from me and one for you too. Bye-bye for now.
If you found anything helpful in this video, please give us a like. In fact, make sure that you smash that subscribe button on YouTube and give us a like on Facebook. You can also follow us on Twitter and on Instagram for important updates. And please download our free podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you so much. See you next time.